Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good, Conrad. Good morning to you, sir, and everybody listening. We're glad that you're with us on this uh, little ride along episodes. I enjoy these, quite frankly, going back in time and looking at these shows more often than not for the very first time since we did them live. So it's always fun to remember things that were somewhat obscure that pop in your head when you see this video again. So it should be a fun show today and, uh, everything is good. Life is good here. I'm a, I'm a year older Conrad. I made it another year. Can you believe that? I somehow made it another year, buddy. Congratulations. Of course, uh, this past Sunday was uh, your 39th birthday and we'll mm-hmm. have you again. <laughs> 39. That's the old Jack. Yes. Jack Benny lives forever, right? The 39, your 39th birthday. I appreciate it. I got so many kind and humbling messages on social media from, uh, many of our listeners and our, our, our fan base here on the ad free network and grilling JR was just uh, overwhelming. You know, there's no way in hell I can respond to everybody, but between Facebook and, uh, Twitter, especially, uh, it was a really, a really cool, very humbling, quite frankly. And the, to know that for whatever reason that a good old boy from Oklahoma can have an impact on lies as a wrestling announcer, it's something I don't think about every day, quite frankly. Right. But, but when it's reminded, when, it's, when I'm reminded, uh, it's pretty damn humbling. So it's, it shows you the loyalty of our fans and our fan base. And I appreciate everybody's sentiments. It's, it's cool as hell. So, uh, it was a good birthday, nothing but football and, uh, food. Not a bad combination, two F's. <laughs> Not a bad combination indeed. Uh, before we get going on today's episode, which by the way, is a watch along, fire up your WWE network and uh, click on raw. Then you want to go to January 7th, 2008. So select 2008 from your little drop down at the top. Then January 7th, we're watching this because this is an interesting idea. Uh, raw roulette and, and Jim, believe it or not, we actually put this on a poll. And put it up against New Year's Revolution, and to my surprise, this actually beat the pay per view. Does that surprise you that our listeners would rather hear about Raw Roulette as opposed to New Year's Revolution? Yeah, a little bit it does. I remember talking about Raw Roulette. We needed a, a theme, and uh, Vince had a big meeting in the conference room at uh, One Twenty Hamilton, there the television facility in Stanford, 
So we're all sitting around this big table, probably 10, 15 people, a lot of TV, uh, people and, uh, and a few of the creative staff, obviously. And he said, we need a name for a promotion. We need a name for this show. And for whatever reason, raw roulette, cause it's going to be in Vegas. Right. So she wants a Vegas theme and so forth. So I jumped right in and said, how about raw roulette? Cause he loves those are, you know, those, what do you call those things? Alliteration. Uh, alliteration. Thank you. You're so smart. Uh, and, uh, he loved it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Hey, can I go now? Uh, but we did the, it was raw, raw roulette and, uh, the rest of it was worked out with creative and all that stuff, but we had a name and that's what he wanted to really accomplish. It was a name. And then it come up with the theme of how the, the show was going to be produced. So it's uh, it was a fun thing. And, you know, anytime you get, you're planning to go to Vegas at, in that era, we can actually go do things and the COVID issues are non-existent at that point in time. It was, uh, something we all look forward to because it's, it's fun to go to Vegas. The other thing about that, when you're in Vegas, uh, we know that everything stays there, Conrad, because you and I have done that a few times <laughs> and, uh, nothing's leaked out yet with the, on the black web or nothing. Uh, so the fact that we start the show early, right? So in Vegas, the show would start like what? Five o'clock for an eight o'clock Eastern time start. Is that right? Yeah. So hell you're done at seven and look out, look out Loretta. <laughs> it was a, it was an early start and uh, an early out, so it was always fun to go do those West Coast TVs. The one that, that sucked high and tit was or teat was uh, the the next day when you moved everything being moved back to to the, their local time because it was taped. That's the days we did SmackDown on Tuesdays. So in any event, that's that was a, that was the background of Raw Roulette. And, uh, it was a, it was a good situation, but nonetheless, you know, you, I know what you're going to ask me, I think about Brody, because yeah. we really haven't talked about Brody's passing with our taping schedule, uh, until we had the opportunity today. And, and he, it's still a, I can tell you this, somebody, somebody reached out to me on, uh, over the weekend after that show. And they said, uh, something quick. I said, man, I, I got to think about that is whatever the question was. And I realized at that time I was still kind of getting over the shock of, of Brody's death. And I really didn't realize how much it affected me. And I, I, I have to tell you, I was drained for like three days after that show last that show, the Wednesday show. I bet it's just. And I didn't realize there's a time, you know, because you persevere and you work through and you battle and you battle. And I'd done that before with other tragedies. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was more impactful on me than I wa wanted to acknowledge because I wanted to get through that show without breaking down. I want to get to that show without my voice cracking and get to that show and keep telling the great stories and try to put talent over, uh, in his honor and his spirit. So it was, uh, it was, a it was a more challenging time than I realized. But what I also realized is this guy kind of off the record became one of the most popular performers within his peer group is anyone that I have ever met in my career. The only person that I've never heard of the fans or the boys 
say a bad word about was Owen Hart, ironically, and now Brody Lee. So he was very well loved. That's no BS. That's no, you know, let's all jump on the Brody bandwagon. He was a genuinely loved guy in an air in a business where love is not universally distributed, right? He was trusted. He was a friend. Uh, I think a lot of the boys admired and respected how, what a great parent he was. You hear that time and time again, what a great parent he was. And you could tell that dad had a great influence on little Brody. Little Brody's eight. Well, mature beyond his years, as far as wrestling acumen is concerned. You know, we had our little New Year's Eve party uh, in, in, at the Hyatt in Jacksonville. And I made a cameo there. Uh, and so I remember one of the things I saw online afterwards was uh, Brody uh, working a spot with Adam Cole and catching him with a little discus clothesline. He's eight now. Right. And then, and then pinning him. And then much to my delight, he hooked the leg. <laughs> the little fella hooked the leg. He had it. He knew what he's doing. It just touched my heart. It was amazing. So, uh, I don't know what, how we're going to remember Brody going forward. Uh, I got a sense that I'm going to be saying it's Wednesday night and you know what that means. I don't know why not. That's a nice little tagline to get into the show. I agree. So it's something that working with him was a joy. And I was so happy when he got there because we, just, we had a long chat that day about, Hey, look, you finally getting your opportunity that you really deserved a long time ago. And here you are. So you're going to get the ball. Now run with it. So, uh, and he did, he did. And he, that whole group, the, uh, uh, dark order, you know, they were on their deathbed. They were, they didn't mean a lot until Brody came in and he motivated those guys. He gave them self-esteem. He gave them confidence and, and they became an entity that has value and they have more value now than they by far than they did then. So he did a lot for a lot of people just in that little group. But when you go back and hear the words of some guys like, uh, you know, Moxley on, on his testimonial and some of these other kids, golly, man, he was so loved. So Conrad only uh, you and I can only wish that someday that we're as loved as this cat. So he was, he's a good dude, man. And he will be missed. No doubt. Absolutely. And, um, I think it goes without saying that all of our thoughts and prayers have been with Brody and his whole family, not just here on the show, but everyone listening to this, it's, uh, I think it might be a, a pro wrestling death. Unlike any other, you know, once upon a time, Jim, people wouldn't have been allowed to sort of pay tribute if they work for another company, but there were WWE folks left and right coming out of the woodwork saying how much they enjoyed and appreciated what you guys did on dynamite for Brody. And once upon a time, the political discourse just wouldn't allow that. But this time it felt like everybody said, who gives a shit? This is right. more important. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's some of that, some of those old things are so antiquated. Yeah. You know, uh, I was very proud that WWE didn't have an issue. At least that I've heard of with their talents, acknowledging Brody and the fact that WWE is doing things for Brody on the, they're going to do a special in the network or something. 
in, in honor of his other character, he had uh, Luke Harper. So, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're growing and we're maturing in the business where we can do things like that. Uh, it's not all about business. This is very, that was very personal. It was real. And, uh, and he affected so many lives in a positive way. Any, any management company, any management group in pro wrestling would be doing themselves a great disservice with their own talent. If they, uh, if they didn't let their talents express themselves when they were hurt, right. They were hurting. They needed to express themselves. And I'm very proud that, uh, all that was allowed to happen. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I can't give enough credit to Tony Khan for, and it sounds like I'm just kissing his ass, but bottom line is he had an idea in the middle of the night on this show. This show was already done. Uh, and there, and there, and we had, to, we postponed a lot of great matches, uh, that, so, that some folks saw, you know, last night and they'll see again next week. But Tony Khan came up with this idea and worked all night on it to, to do a two hour tribute. And to be honest with you, I was wondering how he was going to format the show uh, with that thought in mind. And it was beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful to have a dark order guy or person in every match. Uh, it seemed like the talents worked very hard and very diligent. They gave their heart. And you know, I told some guys before the show, I said, look, go out there and wrestle. Like, you know, Brody would have done if, if he had not been in, he had not been the object of this, this scenario. Yeah. How would he have competed? Would he have competed? You know, how he would have competed hard. He'd he'd have been, he'd give everybody their money's worth. It'd been great. So that's kind of where we were on that. He was just a, he was just uh so beloved. And, and I said, just work like he would give us everything you got, have fun and understand why we're here and simple. No, no long, no long Lombardi talk, but Vince, not Steve Lombardi would be good too, but Vince Lombardi pep talk. It was just go out there and do your job just as he would have wanted you to do your job. And, uh, I think the talents, uh, you know, they were very emotional. It's, it seems like some of them <coughs> were just able to get through the match before they broke down before it all hit them again. So, uh, anyway, it was fun. It was the new year's Eve party was fun because there was a lot of Brody stories and little Brody was there. We just had, it was a fun family oriented. And that's the thing about AEW. I believe in time Conrad and I, this may be my Pollyanna view of it. I don't know. Uh, it's like getting recruited to go to college. You want to go where you can win and you want to go where there's great facilities, et cetera, et cetera. There's a checklist. These players had to sign to go to college, play football, for example, I think in time when contracts allow that people are going to be, I don't want to say standing in line, but I think they're going to be, uh, moving toward the AEW brand because of our schedule. The fact that Tony Khan's great to work with. And the fact that if you have a creative bone in your body, you're going to be allowed and encouraged to utilize it. And I think that, uh, Brody is one of those guys that realized that he could have stayed in WWE or stayed, you know, they're, they're, they're going to bring him back. He's that good of talent, <clears throat> but he was, uh, he wanted to come here for the opportunity. I think the others will follow that lead like they had with Jericho and Moxley and, and several other guys. So, uh, but Brody's going to be missed again to categorize him in the same sentence as Owen Hart is about as good as I can do. Yeah. It is the highest compliment anyone could receive. And 
Boy, I think, uh, I don't know. We're going to be talking about Brody for a long time. Let's, uh, let's try to transition now. This is awkward, but I don't know how else to do it. Our, our subject today here on the show is Raw Roulette 2008. Believe it or not, this is what won the poll. So here we are. Uh, January 7th, 2008. This is at the uh, Mohegan Sun Casino Arena of all places. And, uh, well, wh- how do you call it? Uncasville, Connecticut? I've been there, but I don't know. Uncaucus. There you go. So we're here. And I was confused about the Vegas thing. I think the first thing we did was at Vegas. Right. No, I mean, I, I think the <laughs> idea is whenever you're running a casino, this just makes sense. And, and I like that. Do you think that obviously with the first one being a Vegas, a planned Vegas show moving forward, other casinos perhaps expressed interest in, in hosting an event like this, because you would get some out of towners. You get some folks who'd make a weekend out of it who might go to the tables too. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, we ran, uh, on caucus and the Mohegan sun on multiple occasions. We also ran the other casino North of there. Uh, what the hell's the name of that? Maybe. Foxwood, yeah, and we, but uh, for the for our group, our crew, and our staff that were based in, in Stanford, by and large, Stanford area, uh, Mohegan Sun was a easy drive, and you find out that when you can stay out of an airport and you can make a drive to your town to work, uh, that's very attractive. So uh, Mohegan Sun was good. I and they were friends of the brand. I remember one time I went there to see the Eagles with Jan, Dennis, Brent, and his wife. And, uh, we had like six row seats. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and so that's when our, our, uh, JR's cookbook came out and the guy's a big fan that box office manager was a big fan. So I, I was going to, I took him a book, signed it and all that good stuff. And he said, I got some tickets for you. I said, oh, we're good. We, we're cool. And he said, no, these are better. I said, even know what I got. He said, oh yeah, I know what you got. And I, went, I know what I'm about to hand you. So he handed me four front row seats. Oh my gosh. For the Eagles. That's a big deal. Big deal for, for an Eagle Mark like me. Yeah. You know, uh, I've, I've, uh, raped and pillaged a lot of their songs doing my own private karaoke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that was an interesting experience, but, and it's also the place where, uh, the, the, uh, acclaimed, uh, women's basketball coach, Gino Ariema at the time had a, uh, had an eatery in a casino and you, you know, you might not get that in a Bible belt. No, you will not. So it was kind of like his own little Sopranos world there, but it was, uh, it was always fun to go there. You know, like I said, we, I've Jan and I went there other than do, to do wrestling. So it's a cool casino and it was, uh, it still is still doing fine. I'm assuming in this COVID stuff, but that's the deal. So, but it started out in Vegas and that's when I came up with the name raw roulette and it, uh, was stuck. So that was back in 2002 with Eric Bischoff as the general manager. Uh, of course, even here in 2008, our commentary duo was still the iconic pairing of Jim Ross and Jerry, the King Lawler. The other thing going around right now though, is, uh, the company's in a bit of a transition. Back then, if you watch this show on USA, you probably saw it in standard definition, but if you're watching with us on the network, you're going to see it in HD for the first time. And the company has started filming in HD, but the graphics are still standard definition. So they don't always, they don't always match up. They're not as smooth as they used to be, but this was a major change 
and a major investment that I don't think we've ever talked about on any of my shows. I've heard through the grapevine that this was a very expensive process. Jim, you were there. What can you tell the HD? Well, not a lot, probably not more than you can say. I know that it was a must had to happen and it, uh, did cost some money. Uh, and it also was, uh, it, it made you aware of what you're wearing. It made you aware that if you didn't do makeup prior to HD, you have to kind of do it now during HD, because if the, the images were so defined and, you know, so, uh, that was an issue. I know it was an issue with Lawler. He didn't like makeup. Uh, and I, I could take it or leave it, but it's going to make me, my fat ass look better on television. Then I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm in the chair. So there was a lot of, uh, it costs involved in that regard. The same way when the company changed its name from WWF to WWE, that was a very, very costly, uh, transition. And, you know, you had to get rid of all, you know, all the tire had to change the logos changed so much change was in float and it all cost money. And there's no difference in the, you know, the, the HD thing was a must. You could right. not compete in today's world. You, you, when you, when you kept come across your channel surfing and you come across some show that for whatever reason is not in HD, we are spoiled. We move on. So I, I, it was, it was a big thing. And I don't think a lot of us novices in that world really realized how big it was. And I certainly didn't realize how expensive it was. It costs a lot of money to make those changes. Let's, um, let's talk about something else before we go ahead and click play here. I was reading in my research and I saw that from this point on, it looks like testing for marijuana in the company is only going to take place once per year. And the failure was a thousand dollar fine and it didn't count as a wellness policy strike. So I guess the gist is if you were willing to pay a thousand dollars a year, smoke all the pot you wanted in WWE. Do you remember this being a major change for the, for the roster here? Well, I remember being a change, major change, not maybe an overstatement. Uh, but it was, you know, look, I'm not advocating yay or nay. Uh, I I'm, I'm 420 friendly. Um, in my, in my personal life, uh, to me, it's, a. uh, it, it works for me when done correctly. People are going to make a big deal out of this. I'm sure it'll be a clickbait thing. Uh, but it's, uh, I've said this before, you know, I'd rather have a talent go to this room or her room and, uh, smoke a joint, get some room service, watch a movie as opposed to being out gallivanting around. Uh, and it also was better than, uh, prescription meds as far as sleeping, relaxing, et cetera, et cetera, winding down after a, a big night of television. But I don't think it was, I don't remember it being a big, big deal because, you know, everybody didn't smoke pot. Some people was irrelevant. It wasn't like, oh, it was a big epidemic. This whole company was built on pot smokers. That's right. not, that's not the case. But I think it was legislated correctly based on public sentiments and where it was headed. Now look at it. We were ahead of the curve at that time as far as, you look at states that, you know, golly, uh, medical marijuana is popular. Some states, Vegas or, or Nevada, for example, Colorado, they changed the, it's changed the scenery there as far as monies are concerned and, and new money, more importantly. 
So I, I think it's, uh, it was over legislated. I think it should be, I think marijuana should be, uh, uh, legal, uh, and it should be taxed and it should create new money. And so if you want to, if you want to enjoy all the products they have now, the gummies and all those things, but I, but then I think basically if just somebody, you know, rolling a joint, rolling the old bone, as they say, and, and token it up. So, but it wasn't, it didn't affect the whole roster. It affected some in the roster. It wasn't done to protect any one individual in the roster. So I can, I can dispel that uh, conspiracy theory real quick. It just was a, it was a cycle that was ongoing in, 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 uh, in our world that has continued to evolve. So I, I, but it was a unique time. And it's almost as if we, in, we, uh, we were endorsing you doing it or, or encouraging people to do it. I don't, that wasn't the case either. It's just was trying to be practical and, and realistic and, and trying not to legislate. And the other thing about that Conrad is, you know, these guys are independent contractors by, yeah. by law, you know, and if, if it's, I just, I don't know. I have a different view of it. I may be, it, my opinion may be beyond my years. Uh, or, or, or maybe too, I'm, I'm maybe too old for this opinion. Hell, I don't know, but I, I just think it's, uh, it's not a, it's not the, the evil, uh, gateway drug that leads to other bad things and which is what's the, the crutch that people lean on that are anti cannabis. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I have a lot of thoughts on that. We're not going to get on that deal, but nonetheless, uh, I do remember that. I do remember having many discussions on it. And, uh, I thought it was a case of over legislating more costs, added more paranoia to the roster. And there was not a lot of wins in having a marijuana policy and look, the, look at how the NFL does it. They don't discourage it. Right. They say they do. They have to say they do, but if they did, they'd have a much more stringent testing program. They realize it is what it is. So anyhow, yeah, I remember that it was. Interesting times, but really not as big as one would think. Hey guys, are you looking for a great father's day gift idea? I know I was, and I found it a couple of years ago with paint your life with paint your life. You get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mom, your dad, or both. You see paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload a photo to create anything you can imagine maybe in a special location or a favorite pet. There's lots of options. You pick the artist, the medium, and you even get to work with the artist to make sure it's perfect. You get started in less than five minutes and you can get the portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text Ross to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and fire up the WWE Network again. Go to Raw, January 7th, 2008. We're going to do a watch along here. We're going to do a quick countdown. And when I say play, you'll press play. Three, two, one, play. Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. The child of Mania! Hulkamania is running wild! My God, what a Little signature open, JR. Is that something Vince would have been taking a look at? He would have had to approve. I mean, it feels like it's got so many of his old favorites in there. Yeah, absolutely. I took it I took that uh I took that as a great source of pride when I was featured in some of my bites were featured in the those opens. Uh I thought it was pretty cool. So it was uh, a source of pride for me. And when I got changed, when I, when I got eliminated from it, it was hurt my feelings egocentrically. Yeah. I wanted to be a part of the open. So, uh, anyway, that's where we were with that. I'm having an issues too. Yeah. With this. We're, we're seeing a, a video package recapping Ric Flair and triple H with Flair's career on the line, uh, from the prior week here on raw, of course, William Regal is a big part of the uh, on screen here on raw, and he's going to be interfering in the end. This is the home stretch of Ric Flair's legendary in-ring career. Of course, we know he's going to wind up retiring at WrestleMania 24 in just a couple of months. But at this point, the storyline's already getting put in, in place. What do you remember uh, about uh, Vince or, or whoever it was in the McMahon family who presented to Rick, hey, uh, we've decided it's time to retire? Because I don't think this was Rick's idea, right? I don't think so either. I don't think it was this idea either. I think... He, and that's not, people can make, don't make an issue of this. McMahon forced Flair to retire. Come on, folks. Uh, R- Rick did what uh, was suggested. To be honest with you, it was time for him to retire as a full-time guy, in my opinion. Uh, not the fact that he couldn't still work, but, you know, you got to still protect the talents. Right. And uh, so... I don't know. It, it was melon. It was a, I had mixed emotions about it. You know, I was, uh, I really was. I, cause I love Rick and I still do. And, and, you know, you, you don't want to take away the one thing that makes a guy happy. Right. And, and that did nothing made him happier in his life. I don't think than wrestling. Uh, so that's the kind of dude he, he is. And, 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 and I, it was, I mixed emotions. And the other thing too, then you get leery in the skeptical side of pro wrestling. You get leery of, uh, retire the word retirement because as a rule, it's meaningless. Here we go. We're going to see the introduction here. Let's track it. I really need to talk to you. Not now. Do you know what this is? This is the first Raw of 2008. WWE fans all over the world are expecting something big tonight. Something innovative. And I'm not going to let them down. Tonight I've got wrestlers who don't even know they're wrestling. And those who do have no idea what the stipulations of their matches are really going to be. 
The other said, very special night. Why? Because tonight, tonight, it's raw. Right? Look at this. You see the 14 over here. That falls count anywhere. Last man standing. We have you, you name it. You, you got Mr. McMahon's choice. You, you got all chain matches. You got all sorts of things. Anything in there. Do you have any idea how big this is? Rock star of the new year. And by the way, happy new year. Sir, this is a wonderful innovation, but please, I need to tell you. I know you were disappointed with me not hitting Hornswoggle last week. You were going to strike my son. <laughs> but I thought I'd redeem myself and take Triple H out of the Royal Rumble match. I thought you'd really like that. Matter of fact, you're right. I do like that. But you know something else? What if tonight, what if tonight you were injured on top of being out of the Royal Rumble match? I like that idea. So tonight, Triple H is in action. Triple H goes one-on-one -on -one with William Regal. Not just any kind of match. Let's find out what kind of match it's going to be. Here we go. Let's spin the wheel. It's going to be a... First blood match. You will beat the hell out of So we're, we're advancing the storyline here in a few different ways, but the thing that I think both you and I got a chuckle out of, oh, and there's Triple H waiting just outside the door on him. The idea that Hornswoggle is Vince's son. I mean, I knew it happened. I just kind of forgot it was in this era, but that still <laughs> gives me a chuckle even to this day. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's there. There's your sports entertainment illustration. That's what sports entertainment is. Right. Hornswoggle was McMahon's illegitimate son. That's sports entertainment. It's not pro wrestling. So check out what we're watching here. You can see the shot was in HD, but now look, it goes to four three. The intro is still standard definition. As we said, this is all in transition. But it looks a little weird, but kind of cool to know this was a moment in time that we'll really never see again. Yeah, it was. It was a it was a unique scenario, and, and now it's you couldn't live without it. Listen, you know what? Everybody watching and listening to this, I say watching because you can see our video over at adfreeshows.com. You get the shows early, you get them ad free, but you also get to see Jim and I record the shows. Uh, it looks like Shawn Michaels is coming out to the ring here next. Anyway, what everyone wants to know, did you work the wheel or did it just land on what it landed on? Really? <laughs> really, Conrad? I know the answer, but you know we got to explain because we're going to get blown up with questions. Of course it was worked. Yeah. And along with everything else in that show, it's fictional entertainment. So, yeah. They're not going to lose control of their own show by letting a wheel dictate the booking. And neither would anybody else if they had any brains, you know, so, you know, uh, protect what you can. We got a, uh, 
a little bit of a recap here. We need to read from Brian Alvarez. He would write around the same time. Triple H is the most least liked person in the company right now. It's a weird phrase. People were very upset that he didn't make a stand to put over flair last week. And what is very likely flair's final match in Greensboro, North Carolina. This has been building up for a long time. He's always had heat, but it really picked up over the summer when he pretty much squashed Booker T at SummerSlam and Booker left the company for TNA shortly thereafter. Booker, as part of renegotiations, has been allowed to sit in on the booking meetings, hoping, I guess, to assure that nobody buried him and that he would be taken care of in his feud with Hunter. Well, he wasn't taken care of. The biggest reason he ultimately quit was the 60-day suspension, but after the Hunter thing, we're told there was a good chance he was leaving anyway. Plus, everyone in the WWE believes that's why he left. People really like him, so they were very upset about how all that went down. Hunter also buried Jericho before Jericho even arrived, saying that the company had had some rough shakes, but they were going to be okay because their savior was coming back. The feeling was that he was especially vindictive because Stephanie was a big proponent of bringing Jericho back. Hunter wasn't even sly about it. He was outright burying him to anyone who would listen, and people said he came off as pretty petty. What do you make of Alvarez's report here? Oh, uh, there's a lot to process there, Conrad. You know, just another log in the fire of people not liking Triple H. And look, he's a human being. He made, I'm sure he made some of those statements that he wishes today could retract, unless he's going to stand on his, uh, his macho man perch and say, no, I meant every word I said. I stand behind my convictions, all the stuff you could normally hear. Uh, but, you know, he, he was very outspoken. But he wasn't the only one outspoken, but he seemed, his voice seemed to cut through the clutter more than a lot of people. So, you know, I, I, the Booker T thing was losing a talent like Booker was not good. He's a quality guy. He's, he can make everybody work with better. He's colorful, exciting, charismatic, and he could wrestle. Uh, the Jericho thing was, I, I believe simply the fact that Jericho had a load of charisma naturally that Hunter may not have had at that point in time. And the fact that Jericho is under six feet tall, it's petty bullshit. You can look at it any way you want to look at it. You know, all oh, here's this week. He probably said that he probably meant this though. No, he probably meant what he said. Right. And you know, you'd think of guy was confident in his workability, Conrad, that he would, uh, want great talents surrounding him. Because they have the ability to make him Hunter or anybody else look better. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just it, people's age, their maturity, uh, where their professional lot in life, all those things come into play. And sometimes it brings out the blemishes in somebody's personality. And at that point in time, if all these things that, uh, were that, uh, Brian Alvarez is reporting and I got no reason to think Brian's bullshitting, right? just probably was a, indicative of, of, uh, of Hunter's attitude at that point in time and maturity and how you handle being a top guy. He's obviously a b better at that now than he was then because he's managing a lot of top guys and doing a good job. So I don't know, man, it's just, it was, uh, regrettable, especially when you talk about two guys like Booker T and Jericho who really you make yourself look bad by inferring that, that they don't belong for whatever reason. 
John Michaels was supposed to be taking on Mr. Kennedy here. Uh, but when Vince McMahon appeared on the Jumbotron to spin the wheel, the stipulation became strange bedfellows. So we go to commercial break. And when we come back, Charlie Haas is in the ring, working with Mr. Kennedy with uh, Trevor Murdoch on the outside. Eventually Sean gets annoyed that he's not being tagged in. Uh, so, uh, he just jumps in the ring and attacks Ken Kennedy and throws him over the top rope. And now Charlie Haas has just stuck his head underneath the ring and came out with a mask on. What do you remember about Charlie Haas in this era? He's a guy we don't hear about a lot these days. Good guy. Oklahoma kid from Edmond. Outstanding amateur. My son, him and his brother, Russ, who passed away prematurely. I think he had a heart ailment undetected. Uh, but Charlie's a good kid. He, Charlie, uh, internalized a little bit too much. Sometimes he's very intense and that can work for you or against you, but, uh, he did well. He married well in the WWE, Jackie Gated, and he mar- been married forever. They got a nice family. So I said at the end of the day, he did all right. I like Charlie. I liked his dad. I like a good family, a good family. He tried so hard to be a star. And so sometimes you got to take slower steps to be a star than you might want. Quite frankly, that Charlie in that mask might've been his better, best deal. I think, um, just last month, Jackie and Charlie announced that they were divorcing. Oh, really? Well, I'm behind. That's a pretty good run though. I think they were together like 15 years in, in wrestling years. That's like 30. Yeah. To have a wrestling romance uh, last that long. But they did have some beautiful kids, Conrad, and that's your legacy. It's not your, your marriage might not be your legacy all the time in, in our life. Having those children is without question. Did we just see a botch there? Was Sean supposed to put his foot up off that top rope maneuver and instead Charlie Haas just landed on his feet and then delivered an elbow or was this just his gimmick at the time? I suppose I'm not sure. Let's talk about Trevor Murdoch. He recently did a, uh, an interview somewhere where he talked about how he once met with Vince McMahon, uh, he and his partner, Lance Cade, and they were trying to figure out, Hey, what can we do better? And apparently McMahon <laughs> said to Lance Cade, I hate your fake black hair. He looked at Trevor and said, I hate your pasty white skin. So the next week, uh, they showed up with blonde hair and tan and they were on TV. Is it sometimes that simple? That yep. Just, okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to, he, he's an executive producer, right? It's no different than any role in any other t- television show. The executive producer is going to, he wants his look a certain way, the, the look of the show, the look of the set, the sound of the music, the whole nine yards. So yes, yeah, it's, question it's, is, the, the, is it really, and you can see, by the way, one of the things I heard about HD, take a look at Mr. Anderson. I was told one of the first things that stood out when, when it was HD, some of the self tanning oil that guys will put on themselves before they would go out. Now it would be apparent when it was dripping and you know, you could see, uh, Anderson's tan is running here and maybe in standard definition, you would never see that. You would just see a, a very tan individual, but here okay. you do start to see some of that high definition work against you. It's like that picture of a uh, Rudy Giuliani a few weeks ago yeah. where his tan was running. He looked like an idiot with those giant teeth and. God damn, he had teeth bigger than Matt Hardy's. That's hard to say. What, what is your, Conrad, what is your timeline right now? What are you on? Uh, I'm at, uh, 15, 32, 33, 34, 35. All right. 
So uh, I guess what I was asking about the whole Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch deal is if it is that simple, that Vince just, you know, you're on the shelf, unless you look like he wants to, and you change one minor aesthetic thing, and then you're on TV. Why is it up to the talent to guess what Vince wants rather than him? Just say right up front. Hey guys, if you do this, I'd use you. Well, sometimes he doesn't know. Sometimes it just comes to him at the most you know odd times. So, you know, I don't know the direct answer to that question. That's fair. Uh, it's just how he, he's, re, he's, re, he's reactionary and he sees he's in, he's impulsive as Vince and every creative guy I ever worked with from McGurk and the cowboy on down or on up, depending on your perspective was the same way. They felt something. I always looked at like writing music, writing music. They finally found the beat that they liked, or they finally found a chord that they liked, or they can, they like the lyrics so they can make this music around the, 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 uh, the instrumental stuff around the lyric. It's a process. And on the creative types, you know, you never, you never, there's no science to it. Right. So he was an impulsive guy. He saw something, he liked it. Boom. There he went. So, uh, but cowboy is the same way, you know, dusty was the same way. So it's not like it's a Vince deal. Everything right. here is a fucking world is a Vince deal. God damn. I get tired of that. That's a Vince deal. Oh, well, McNeil is a Vince deal. Yeah. That's what it was. All right. It was a lot of times because he was the boss and he was the hands-on boss, but sometimes it was other people suggesting things that Vince liked. And, uh, you know, it's like my name in the show, the raw, raw roulette. I had no, I wasn't there to try to kiss Vince's ass. We all did that enough. Everybody in that room was there to kiss his ass, quite frankly, and, and have a, have something that he could take with him and said, well, that was a good idea from oh, so-and-so. So I don't know. I, I get that, that train of thought gets a little bit old to me sometimes that it's always McMahon's the bad guy and, and he makes it hard on the talent and he has, he may still do it, but the bottom line is it's not all on his, it's everything bad. is not coming off his plate. You know, Kennedy was a pretty good hand. Yeah. We see Kennedy coming to the ring uh, or, uh, finishing up his match here. Uh, that match got a star and a quarter coming to the ring right now, though, is Carlito in a wig, uh, a blonde wig for Carlito. Boy, I don't remember this happening at all. This is going to be, uh, an interesting match. He's going to be taking on hardcore Holly. Who's got Cody Rhodes in his corner. And it's going to be called a trading spaces match where Carlito has to dress as hardcore Holly and Holly has to dress as Carlito. They even come out to each other's intro music as well. <laughs> trading spaces. How about this? This is straight comedy and I kind of like it. It's sports entertainment again. And a lot of that. Connor, what's your, what's your time cue now? I'm at 1854, 55, 56, 57, 58. Did I ever tell you how much I hate this fucking technology shit? Every week. Every oh. goddamn week. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
pull here, slide this. All right, here we go. Click this, drag that, copy this. God almighty. Told us. Stop my word. I know. Not a big fan. No. All right. So uh, here we go. I see him now. Bob Holly, the, the Afro and all that good stuff. Holly with the Afro and the apple. Yeah. How weird is it to see Cody Rhodes out of context here? You know, we, we're so used to seeing him on the AEW side. At least I am now. It almost feels like some of this stuff never happened, but then you go back and see it. And of course it did. Yeah. He's got the uh, tag titles here and he has a decent little run with hardcore Holly. Yeah. He, he was just, he, he was, you know, he was, uh, establishing his background, establishing yeah. his, his, uh, foundation, young kid, dark hair. looked like his mom. All these guys that are in this match could work. All these guys work. Harley was, Bob was interesting to manage and to, to hang around with very intense. He's a typical guy that came through a territory in a different era, et cetera, et cetera, that trusted no one. Probably the worst trait that wrestlers have to deal with is their own lack of self-confidence or the fact that they're paranoid, that they're getting screwed by the office. That doesn't play great for very long. Yeah. Paranoia and wrestling are like peas and carrots. Yeah. It's not good. It don't taste as good as peas and carrots. Carlito. Were you surprised to see they announced him coming back to raw here in 2021? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but no, I'm not. He's a good worker. His only enemy has always been his own motivation. He can be, he can be as good as he wants to be. So therefore some perceive that he might be a little bit unmotivated, i.e. a little lazy, right? He wasn't lazy in his interactions with the, uh, fair sex. Cause he was a hall of famer in that area. And, but he kept his eye on the prize and, and wanted to go in and work. He was absolutely extraordinary. You know, Carlos Colon was a big star in, in Puerto Rico and so forth and owned the territory and the booker, all the good, all those things we talk about, but, and, but his son, uh, uh Carlito was, he was the star. He was the, he was the best. Eddie was a good hand. Carlito could have been a big time star. If he had not, if he had just been more motivated in my opinion, I might be wrong on that deal, but I loved his work. And sometimes you see him go out there, depending on the opponent or who talked to him last, whatever. And he was simply off the page. And then some nights he'd go out there and he'd work to the level of the talent that he was working with. And that's not always a good thing. Found on that for a minute, because you hear that term even a lot in sports work to the level of the talent of your opponent. So if, if you're wrestling a, a great performer. You're going to wrestle great. If you're wrestling a not so great performer, you're going to wrestle not so great. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you think guys can get out of that habit or, or try to break out of that way of thinking? Well, it's focused. It's being managed correctly and coached up, you know, Conrad, we've seen, you know, both you and I are big football fans, American football, tackle football. And we've seen our favorite teams and, and teams over the years that they had a bad game because they played to the level of their opponent. Right. Uh, and it's a psychological issue. It's, it's a matter of you let up. 
and, uh, and you can't let up quite frankly, but, uh, he was so good was, uh, Carlito. He could, he could go about 60% speed and be better than most. So Holly, uh, Oh, Bob was always in great shape. I was talking to Billy Gunn last week at the, uh, or a week or two, where it was 10 days, where uh, at the new year's Eve party. And, uh, he put a picture out on Twitter with the gun club and Lance Archer, myself, I look very small, which is always good for me to look small. Uh, the only other way I look small is be taking a picture with elephants. But, uh, track when everybody hear Vince talk to Maria. I'm extremely excited. Because you have the opportunity to determine exactly what match all of the divas are going to be in tonight. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Ready. Okay. <laughs> What's it going to be? Maria says it's going to be a... It's going to be a... Not riding on this one. It's going to be... It's going to be... What's it going to be? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Close your eyes. Just think of having a romantic dinner with Santino. Santino has ordered a glass of wine. And he's ready to toast you when he says, Good luck, Maria, in your match tonight. And then we look up. It's a lingerie pillow fight. Lingerie pillow fight? Yeah, and see... That's the kind of match in which all talk to me about this. The lingerie pillow fight matches probably never going to happen again. Uh, I think we've evolved a little bit as a society <laughs> in this era. Yeah, we really, <laughs> we had to go sit down and tell the ladies, all right, gals, here's what we're doing tonight. Yeah. They didn't like it. They did. They, they did it because it was a payday and they got on television. They got booked. But the bottom line was most of them, if they, the truth be told, I'm sure after a while, they thought it was a little bit demeaning and beneath their skill level because they were working so hard were these ladies to get better in the ring. Right. I'll tell you how, how great a television character is Maria. I think she's one of the best, uh, you know, I would, I would love for her, her to be, uh, someday in AEW. There's so many good things she can do. Great look. He's a good mom and solid, you know, seems to be very happily married to Mike Bennett, which I'm very, that's, that's always great, but she's just a, a fabulous, has a fabulous look, maybe the best facials of any female uh, around today. And she's, you know, for a woman that's got just recently had two children, she looks pretty damn good and, uh, to be polite and I don't say so myself. What was her, uh, relationship like with the office at this point? We know 2020, she was pretty outspoken about the way she and her husband were treated. I think she was, uh, I think she was very, uh, had a good relationship. I, as a tower, as the head of tower relations, I never had any issues with her. I never had any producers come to me and say, can you talk to Maria? She's hard to produce. I've had that happen with others. Uh, but she was, she was a team player. And, and is very, very loyal to the brand at that point in time, as best I recall. I just thought she could have been, uh, did she do Playboy? Yeah. You know, she just, she has had a fabulous look and that great smile, big time personality. So any company, I guess she's in ring of honor now with her husband. 
which is a good thing. You know, I, that's, I'm, I'm not an anti-Ring of Honor guy. I hope they have great success. But she's really, really uh, talented. And, uh, and her commitment to her getting herself in shape and, and, and cultivating her look after uh, having two children is uh, commendable at, without question. The uh, the Playboy thing you were talking about happened just a couple months after that. So I think it was the April 2008 issue. We're seeing a recap of a package here. Of course, Randy Orton is knee deep into a feud with Jeff Hardy. And backstage, we just saw a clip of Matt Hardy getting punted by Randy Orton. Uh, what about uh, what about your man here? He, uh, he went on to greener pastures with ESPN. Were you surprised that Grisham had, uh, aspirations outside of wrestling and moved on? No, not really talented guy. I don't know that Todd was ever a over the hump off the page wrestling fan. No, he didn't dislike it. He didn't disrespect it whatsoever, but I don't think it was his number one love growing up. He was a soccer guy and, uh, there's the iconic team of JR and the King. One of the chance ties she picked up. You see my little lapel pin there says OU on it? How subtle is that? Uh, but Todd's Todd's done real well in MMA and, and, and broadcasting fighting. He was gonna the in the fall of 2007, the game plan was, as it was explained to him, that finally got back to me, was that he was taking JR's place on Raw with Lawler in the fall of 2007. And that's what he was counting on. It had been more money, more exposure. It was the best role in the company at that time for a broadcaster to have was the lead chair and in, 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 on Monday night raw. But what prevented that from happening to Todd's dismay was the fact that when I was announced to go in the hall of fame in 2007, uh, the crowd in Chicago wouldn't stop cheering. And it's, it, it was, it, I think it opened the eyes of, of Vince a little bit and Kevin Dunn, certainly that, uh, well, maybe we're moving JR out, out the door too quick, knowing Vince, as I did, that was always going to be his goal to replace me in that regard. Don't know exactly why, but it is what it, it is, what it is. It's water on the bridge now, but Todd's Todd's done very well. You know, he, he stays very busy. I catch some of his work sometime on streaming or, or on cable. He, he's, he's done well. So, uh, but he and I were together a lot, you know, then I, I, I moved to SmackDown and I was his sidekick, which never quite, uh, fit well with me, but Hey, look, set your ego aside, JR, go to work and earn your money. That's kind of what I try to do. We just saw Hornswoggle run some laps around the spinning wheel. Vince is talking to Hornswoggle, but the audio quality is pretty echoey and almost impossible to understand. And we even get a little lower third graphic that says they're bringing this to us as complete as possible. And you're actually going to apologize on air for the issues. Let's track it here. I was going to allow Regal to hit you last week. I mean, I was not going to allow him to strike you. You're my son. It's just a little test, you know? And changing a subject, though, Royal Rumble. Soon it's upon us. Do you remember who won the Royal Rumble in 1999? Yes. 
a McMahon. And guess who could win the Royal Rumble this year? Another McMahon. You. All you have to do is qualify in your match tonight. Imagine that. You and 29 other competitors in one of the most prestigious matches in WWE history, the Royal Rumble. If you qualify, let's see. Well, I landed on Mr. McMahon's choice. Imagine that. And my choice is that not only can you qualify, but your tag team partner can as well. You in a tag team match, although Finley is not here tonight. No, no, well, you can choose anybody you want, anybody. It doesn't matter. So either you and your partner will be in the Rumble or your opponents will be. No, no, you feel confident, don't you? Great opportunity. <clears throat> Go down. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> My God. Oh, Lordy. And then we segue to more serious business. There's a mattress in the ring. Hey, what was your favorite cowboy angle with a bed in the ring? Now say that again. Your favorite UWF or Mid-South angle where it started with a bed in the ring. Oh, there were so many Conrad. (laughs) Here comes our lingerie pillow fight. Boy, I I feel like this might be the dumbest question I've ever asked, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Who was the agent for something like this? Like, okay, ladies, here's what we need y'all to do today. Here's what Vince wants. Finley, a lot of times, Dave Finley was really good working with the ladies. They trusted him. They know he didn't have any agendas. Here's the greatest entrance in the business. We <laughs> see Melina coming to the Oh, she's not going to do your M&M spot. In oh, damn it. Jillian Hall. Jillian, Jillian had a baby, I think, this in 2020. Nice girl, nice lady. Kind of underrated. Any good Molina stories you can share with us? No, nothing I could talk about on the air. She was okay. She was very popular, though, as far as I mean, everybody wanted to be around her. She was bubbly and friendly, sexy as hell, still is. There's Maria coming out. She's already in the cover girl shape i'm sure the photos have already been snapped at this point this Uh-oh. is gonna be a four-way dance or yeah. i guess five-way mickey james tori wilson ashley jillian hall and maria mickey james just might be my favorite all-time female wrestler because mickey really even though she got very good at sports entertainment she was a wrestler and she can still wrestle I never liked that uh, piggy James bullshit. I thought that was cheap and disrespectful, unprofessional. Question is, consider what, what shape she's in. Look at her. My goodness. Of all the folks. And I don't know. And a great wrestler. Yeah. There's the late Ashley Massaro coming to the ring. She left us much too soon. Could not overcome her demons. But she was another lady that had a lot of sex appeal. You know, Vince wanted sexy tens. And I'd sign people that was, or are they a sexy 10? Well, you know, that's kind of a subjective question. Yeah. But you, what you think is sexy, Conrad, and I think is sexy might be two different things. And that's like a weird thing to even say. Like we're, we're rating women on a scale of one to 10. It just seems weird. Well, uh, yeah, but you, you had that situation back then because 
you know, you, you just had, you had movies, you had different things where that 10 stuff was, uh, uh the ratings were there. So here they go. They're all in the bed. I don't know what the rules are. This damn match. Does it even matter? No, I, mean, I didn't see the referee checking for any foreign objects either. <laughs> Lawler would have done a very extensive search for foreign objects and illegal paraphernalia. Well, they're going to hide under the covers. Can you imagine if you're watching wrestling and your wife walks in <laughs> and what it is, how would you explain? Now, hang on now. Uh, triple H and Ric Flair are coming out. Yeah. Oh, well, honey, I promise. Where's Bruno? Where's Bruno? Is Andre on this card? Yeah. He's under the bed. There's that pillow fight. That was dangerous. He could put an eye out with those damn things. The recap, uh, all these girls, how good a shape are they all? They're all in great shape. They're all sexy and athletic. I guess that makes me chauvinistic as hell. Just what I just said. I don't know. I don't mean it. Just to me, to say somebody's sexy is not a chauvinistic remark. That's just me. Let's talk about some other news and notes happening around the same time. The raw roulette here gets a 3.2 rating. It's one of its lower ratings for January in years. The is January. I mean, listen, we've, we've heard in wrestling, uh, summer months are this winter months are that mm -hmm. Thanksgiving night, Christmas night. Is there a rule of thumb for the ebbs and flow of the business for January? No, not in my opinion. Business is always good if you have what the audience wants to see. Right. Don't overthink this shit. Well, the trend says, or, you know, you click this and I'll drag that and we'll all look over here and we'll join here and all that shit. If you have what the audience wants to see and invest their time in, there is no month better than another month. You know, we used to, the same old deal. Well, it's going to be cold in the Northeast. Raw ratings going to be good this week. People can't get out. We're, uh, we're head to head on this night. We haven't mentioned that, but we're head to head with the BCS championship game, which is LSU with an 11 and two record taking on the Ohio state Buckeyes with an 11 and one record. So Les miles is going to get his, his first championship here. Mm -hmm. I remember that. That's going to be something that is definitely going to affect your rating. Definitely. The prior year, uh, say the January 1st and the January 8th ratings for raw were 3.9 and 3.7. Again, this is just a 3.2, uh, but the idea that you've got LSU and Ohio state and Ohio state is a major national draw as far as ratings go. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably not that big of a surprise when the rating comes in a little lower, which is probably why you're pulling out all the stops, right? With the game, of course, counter counter program, right? You're not going to see this on the BCS game, even with the almighty sec represented and God knows they made football, The goddamn football would not occur without the S E fucking C, you know, it. I know it. That's all admitted folks. <laughs> I like that. You're low key hot about our dominance. I'm, I'm very happy about the dominance of the Alabama Crimson Tide, which is the 
there's Alabama and everybody else then That's in the right. SEC, right or wrong? Not in 08. In 08, not so much. But yeah, in the years coming, that would very much be the case. And we see uh, Triple H here stomp another ring or uh, backstage. This backstage shot, this has become sort of a trademark of WWE. Who would have been a big proponent of that? Obviously, it's a Vince deal, as you said earlier, but it feels like somebody somewhere really, really likes that shot and it becomes a go to every time. Is it some, is it Kevin Dunn, someone on the production team or the, the production team? The, no, the writers. Okay. The writers are being able to write something that they could control and produce. The writers could not control or produce a wrestling match. So they found areas that they could contribute in and, and backstage is one of them. I think Lawler still wears that t-shirt occasionally. So we just saw Hornswoggle trying to recruit a tag team partner. And I see the t-shirt you're talking about now. It's, uh, the King of spades with, uh, looks like a a lot of bejeweling on that shirt. (laughs) Bejeweling. (laughs) Where do you even buy a shirt like that, Jim? I don't know, but he's found a spot because he's got about a thousand of them. It seems like he got stocked up on shirts when the rock left and left his shirts in the, in the anvil case, but those t-shirts, he's always had a, a, a ton of them. Here comes the underrated son of a gun. The raw general manager, William Regal. He's done. He's, he has been such an asset to that company and they're signing scouting, uh, of talents, not not just on the Indies in America, but outside the United States as well. He's a big reptile guy, right? Yeah. Big time. When I would go there, he gets a solid was showing the replay of what happened earlier, but he's a, a great talent, uh, as a worker back in his healthy days, he's battled so many health issues. You know, he's down here died more than once. I remember we, we sent, we booked him in India with a tour. He got some sort of bug there that damn near did him away. But his facial expressions, young talents or anybody watching this, keep your eye on, on his, on Regal's eyes and his facial expressions. They're amazing. They tell a great story that the announcers do not have to tell. And that's why facial expressions are so important. That translates so well to the viewer, what they see on their screen and what they see etched on the face of a, of a competitor. The Quite polarizing the, triple H Conrad. Quite the entrance for triple H. Yeah. Well done. Well, nobody can say he didn't look good. Oh no. He, he, he was great. And he's. Like I said, he, he evolved to becoming one of the, the greatest heels in the history of the brand. But I think he had to mature. I think he had to get his a hand around, uh, his infamy. If nothing is lack of a better term, a growing period. And I, and, but because he married into the McMahon family, he's been ostracized by a lot of people and criticized. Because of who he fell in love with. I said, I told Joni that time one more than once. I can't legislate Joni China, Joni Lauer. I can't legislate who people, what people fall in love. Right. That's beyond the talent relations scope. And obviously 
it was true love Conrad because they've got three children. They've been married for many, many years with, with very high profile jobs to go along with that. So apparently they found their true love. So how could I or anybody else legislate that or, or judge that it's not fair. So right now we're at the top of the hour because I know that because we've got the uh, little graphic there at the bottom of the screen so that we went across the, the crossover in good stead. Talk to me about triple H's legacy. What do you think it'll wind up being? Will it be his in ring? Will it be DX? Will it be a singles run? Will it be NXT? What do you think? I, th I think over the long haul, cause matches come and go. His entire body of work as, as a wrestler is, uh, uh, very admirable to say the very least. I think maybe his legacy may be a little bit like mine. I'd rather my legacy be for the talent that I signed and the roster that I helped build, uh, more than my announcing, but because the announcing is so out there and up front, and I had so much exposure as an announcer, triple H had two or three cameos on the show and maybe one match. And then like Lauder and I are on every segment. So the announcing is always going to get that uh, little nod probably, but I think my best work uh, was, uh, building that roster. I think triple H's best work at the end of the day will be, uh, building NXT as a third brand in a very crowded space within WWE. That's just me looking at it from my perspective as a former administrator there. Why don't you think with all that he's accomplished in wrestling, when people have that dreaded Mount Rushmore conversation, he's almost never on the list. Well, jealousy, popularity, sometimes, uh, you know, he's, he comes off as not likable. And that's not to say that the common denominators are on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, you know, it's kind of a popularity contest, Conrad, quite it frankly. Is. It is. More Regal does a great job of selling. Yes, he does. You know, this is uh, all good stuff here. I don't know that you've seen feedback online, but you, uh, you've talked a little bit here on the show about how important the referee is mm. being in the right position to make the count and things like that. And we've, I've seen a lot of mentions on social media about how fans are now watching the referee and what they're doing or not doing and mm -hmm. whether or not they're in position to, or to the way you explained or not. I think it's kind of fun that you've influenced the way people watch and enjoy wrestling. Well, I hope I did a little good, bit of good things there. I appreciate that, Connie. Uh, referees in, is a hugely important job. Now I'll say that Chad Patton's refereeing this match. He ain't got no reason, no business being outside. He got no reason to go outside and, and watch. What's the first blood match, right? He's watching to see if anybody's bleeding. Well, shit, he can see it. He's not, unless he's Mr. Magoo, he can fucking see it from standing in the ring. He's got a better vantage point. So that don't, I don't buy that one. Is it your understanding that a first blood match is like a, a no DQ, no count out type match? Yeah. Everything he needs to know or see, he can see him standing in the ring and watching. They're at ringside. Right. To be standing next to him for what? Certain things just don't, you know, 
you still got to, it's still got to make sense and be logical. We just saw, um, as we see William Regal undo the turnbuckle there, the, uh, the tag rope came a pretty controversial thing in the last couple of years. The tag rope hasn't always been around though. Has it was the first time you remember seeing a tag rope 1974 when I got in the business. Oh, it's always been there as far as you know. <laughs> yeah. So some promotions did it and some didn't though. I thought, right. They might've, they might've the, the solid promotions that were built in fundamental soundness had them. It, 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 uh, it was just, a a part of the, the process, the fa- fabric of the match. And it still should be a part of the fabric of the match. I like the attitude that FTR has in AEW. They want to use a tag rope. We have other tag teams that, that don't want to use it because they're not, they want to break from tradition and create their own, uh, their own process. And it, if something isn't broke, don't fix it and don't do change for change sake. If you're going to make change, make it for the better. Triple H is uh, doing a nice job of when he does, when he goes over, he's made Regal look good. Regal has withstood the, the, uh, the original onslaught. That running knee is now a part of the way of life here in wrestling, the V triggers and all those things. Regal did that back in the day and did it well. Both guys you see hitting their forehead to make sure that they're not bleeding. So they're selling their stipulation in the, as this match progresses. I'm curious your stance on blood. Um, no, I, I think if it's used correctly, it's a great dramatic effect. I think it's used just as let's get a little color just for the hell of it as an afterthought, probably is not worth it. It can be very vital if used at the right time. I know Vince doesn't like it because I think Vince probably does, doesn't have a problem with it. I think the sponsors have problems with it. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because if Vince doesn't like it, why did they do it so much? Like that's hard for me to wrap my head around WWE. Yeah. Are they doing a lot of blood now? They're not now, but I'm saying through the history of, of Vince's oh. ownership of the company, goddamn, yeah. there's blood all over the place. Yeah. Well, I just think that the, the outside forces like the sponsors and network, the network, uh, the networks play a much bigger role than a lot of us want to admit. I think sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I just think that the outside forces have influenced uh, you know, the amount of blood because it's all, well, we're trying to appeal to kids. We're trying to appeal to whatever impressionable young people. Well, let me ask, and boy, we're probably going to get in a little trouble with this, but do you think the blood would have been an issue as big as it was if it weren't for HIV and AIDS? Like it feels like Mm. sort of pre that and post that Mm -hmm. the attitude started to change a little bit. Is my off base saying that? No, I think you're out of money. There's a, there's a reason that people are leery of blood. Right. And what you just outlined very intelligently. See, I'm not, so, I'm not so, it's just a hard ass on your, on you <laughs> is, uh, yeah. And it's a good reason by the way, uh, to be careful and, 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 and protect your audience. You don't want, you know, I've, Hey, I've had matches where I'm sitting at ringside and, 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 uh, somebody hit a gusher. 
And every time their heart would beat, their blood would squirt out their head. And I remember doing a match. I think it might've been, it was one of those matches with either doc and Gordy or, or doc and one man gang or, 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 or might've, I might've been the match with uh big boss fan, Ray trailer at the time, uh, big Bubba. But he, when his heart beat, his blood squirted out of his head and I was wearing glasses. I'm sitting at ringside and it came a perfect shot right across my glasses. Oh. I'm glad I had glasses on or hit me both. I've been both eyes been loaded with somebody else's blood. You don't want that, but no. that was before AIDS and things that you just mentioned. So I'm with you. I think that that's a, a big player in this whole situation. And quite frankly, it's protecting the audience. And I think that's all good. I really do, but I don't, I'm not against the use of blood. If it's used in a timely manner, uh, for dramatic effect and not just cause it's another spot. Jeff Hardy going to be taking on Umaga in a steel cage later. Jeff Hardy, of course, is your intercontinental champ, but he's feuding with Randy Orton who has the world title, man. Jeff Hardy was in this era who most people perceived to be the company's top baby face. I don't think you could really even argue that here. What do you think his ceiling would have been? Had he not had some sort of off the field situations, pretty much unlimited. I blurted out that sentence, uh, climb the ladder kid and make yourself famous. He was yep. that close Conrad. He was that close to making himself famous. If he had beaten the undertaker in that ladder match, uh, his, uh, his made man status would have been stamped. He had, he, Jeff just had natural charisma. He connected with the audience. Santino Morales and other guys underrated. Criminally underrated. Yeah, great in great performer, but what a great TV wrestler. Oh man. Yeah. Great TV character as well. He had great comedic timing. You know, I, I know sometimes WWE gets a little too sports entertainment-y for some of our listeners, but what we're seeing on camera right here, Santino and Hornswoggle, this baby isn't for us. This is for kids and they love it, right? Mm-hmm. They did. Hornswoggle was another outstanding television character. Man, yeah, Lawler not getting good. a lot on camera time or not, Connor. What the hell's up with that? Probably wanting to make sure that, uh, you weren't watching football in the breaks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nobody's celebrating football any more than the King right now because the Browns are in the playoffs. Can you believe that? First time in 18 years. I, I, I watched it. I watched him on Twitter this weekend, followed him on, I followed him on Twitter and, uh, it's like he had all these ward. It seemed like he had wardrobe changes. He's got more, <laughs> he's got more Cleveland Browns a swag than anybody other than the, the Cleveland Browns equipment guy who is just, by the way, is a great friend of the King. Hence Isn't it remarkable that he's such a big Cleveland fan and, and friend of Bernie Kozar that Kozar, one of the all time great Browns sent him like a whole swag bag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, the, the equipment manager is, uh, is a good friend. I, he's a friend of mine too. Uh, but nothing like Lawler's, you know, Lawler grew up in that area and, and that's his team. He loves them. He, they've been insufferable for many years and now they've got a good Oklahoma kid playing quarterback. And, uh, so they're doing okay. I'm, I, but I'm happy for Jerry. 
spin a recap here of this JBL Chris Jericho situation. Jericho, in the course of wrestling a match, threw his opponent onto the announce desk and then just sort of shoved JBL to the side. JBL took great issue with that, got up, and as Jericho was applying the uh, walls of Jericho, put the big boot in his face. Jericho is, is, is obviously a, I don't know, he's almost like the Madonna of wrestling. He just reinvents himself over and over and over. But JBL is one of the classic big bully heels. Mm-hmm. This feels like, you know, we've heard for years and years as we see this vignette here on uh, JBL that once upon a time, if Vince McMahon were going to be a wrestler, he'd be the million dollar man. I think a more modern answer might be JBL. Like if Vince were a wrestler, this is how he sees himself. Maybe without the cowboy hat and boots, right? Yeah. There'd be no cowboy hat. Yeah. (laughs) No, JBL is look, I said this about Paul Heyman before and Heyman was a color broadcaster with me in WCW and in WWE, I, I, I said, Paul, you're really easy to dislike. Sure. Your career is going to go far as a villain, as an anti-hero type guy, whatever. And, uh, the same thing I, I would say in a complimentary way about Sean Layfield, his personality can be tweaked just so, ever so slightly to still come off as real and, 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 and genuine as a prick and as a bully. And as a, uh, as a, as a bad guy, and he just had that, he had those gifts. So, uh, but he was a natural heel and he, he really worked hard to, uh, to reinvent himself and step out of the shadow of the acolytes. You know, I think John was very influenced by, uh, Dick, the heel, Dick Murdoch, which is not a bad role model, by the way. So we've got the match set now here for JBL and Jericho. Jericho is going to come to the ring here. I want to mention that triple H match we just saw with William Regal. Wade Keller gave two stars and he said, good intensity and pacing throughout. They could have gone longer and not overstayed their welcome. Too bad. WWE has never gotten behind pushing Regal as a serious heel contender as he could have pulled off good matches and really good promos. He was a really talented on camera personality for the company, but it is, I don't think he really ever probably reached his full potential in WWE in ring because fans were believable, believed his work, believed his character was Vince's confidence just shook with him based on his, uh, sort of rough stop and start. Uh, apparently so, because you can't look back at Regal's game, his in ring game and pick holes and you know, gaping holes in his presentation. Right. He was, he was, he was one of the more underutilized in ring talents, uh, that, uh, we had there at that point in time. So Jericho is in and, uh, Vince has spun the wheel. It's going to ultimately land on a situation where he's going to be in a handicap match. Uh, Snitsky's going to be out first and then JBL Snitsky, not somebody we've spent a lot of time talking about. What's your favorite Gene Snitsky memory? Uh, Gene like women's feet. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Big old, big old offensive lineman from uh, played at Missouri. Of course they're in the goddamn mighty sec. Now I'll tell you that right now. Just everybody wants to know, uh, Missouri, they used to be in the big eight when I was a kid, the big 12 then, then they bolted. 
thanks to the Texas Longhorns and their egocentric uh, attitude about everybody else in the world. You know, we haven't talked about Lillian either. Lillian looks good there. Lillian was a good ring announcer. Still is a good ring announcer. Lillian's claim to fame. We're talking about claims to fame would be singing the national anthem, uh, on the Thursday after nine 11 from, from, uh, from Houston. It was, it was amazing. Shout out to Lillian Garcia. She's got her own podcast these days, chasing glory with Lillian Garcia. Yeah. Lillian looks great. Takes care of herself. Looks like Mark Carano is driving the limo. That's not him though. The, uh, the big lim- white limo with the, uh, the horns. <laughs> that's what I feel like you drive to TV in AEW. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's where Wouldn't I be no horns or brother. That's the longhorn thing. That's his, that's his <laughs> homage to the Texas longhorns. You know, a longhorn is actually a steer and you know, the steers have no balls. Just throw that out there, folks. I want to might as well piss off everybody today. Why not? You know, <laughs> what about the, uh, the Sooners? How many, tell us about the Sooner balls. Well, we have eight national championships. We have eight of those balls. We've won the last six balls of the big 12 title. I think their balls are probably sufficient. If you're Conrad, if like you apparently are into balls, but that's okay. Hey, that's Snisky is a big, impressive son of a gun. I saw Gene in the signing about two years ago. He's got a beard that rivals Billy Gibbons of ZZ top. Gene's a very polite kid. He made me feel old every time I was around him because he only called me Mr. Ross. What's he supposed to call you? Everybody should call you Mr. Ross. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone the Mr. Man, it's funny. How long has John Cohn been with this company? He looks the exact same. People talk about how Charles Robinson doesn't age. John Cohn looks the same here in 08 as he does in 2021. Yeah. Didn't Cohn have like a donut shop or something he makes in, in Kansas City? I don't know. I think so. Or he's he did at one time. Shout out to John Cohn. Don't want to get him heat, but I think he listens to the show. He's a good ref. Always a nice guy. I think he's got a bigger role there too. He does other things now, kind of an administrative side because they really enlarged the talent re- talent relations uh, component in the show. But that just marks the fact he's organized and he's smart and they trust him, which is good. And his son, yeah, you're exactly right. Cone and his wife, Lauren are the owners of donut King located in Kansas city. Uh, but most of our listeners remember that, uh, he's the father of a tag team champion back at WrestleMania 34. Nicholas was chosen out of the audience by Braun Strowman. And he is gonna <laughs> go down in history as a tag team champion. I did not know. I don't remember that. Good call. Yeah. I'm sure you were, uh, pretty excited about that when they put <laughs> Oh, well, Jericho and, uh, and the JBL had good chemistry. It seemed like it feels like Jericho has good chemistry with everybody he works with. Yeah, it does. Well, there's a reason for that because it's true. He's unselfish Conrad. It's about getting the match over and not about who wins or loses. I wish more guys had that attitude. Wrestlers today, especially in today's world with so much information flow, things like we're doing here, the things like, uh, you do on the ad free network with all your other great uh, people, you know, uh, the, 
the need to win every match as a talent is almost becoming antiquated. It's hopefully, and I think this is good. It becomes more about the performance than it does about the outcome. That's just me. Well, this is broken down. Clearly a DQ situation here. As we see uh, Jericho being choked out by the uh, cable, the, the TV cable, and you see uh, JBL just dragging him around. This is good stuff, but the crowd's not really loving it. They're booing. Uh, Wade would say it dragged on longer than it needed to. And uh, I don't know. I like it. It feels like maybe the newsletter didn't, and he's saying the crowd didn't, but this is different than what you might normally see. He's going to set up the clothesline there with the cable. If you're trying to quote unquote, get the heat on the baby face, choking him with a ringside cable is something you don't see often. So I dig it. What Never. were the stipulations for this match? I forgot to look. It was handicapped. It was uh Jericho. Oh, yeah. and so that means all this shit here is legal. No, no match is over. It's been a DQ Jericho one. This is no longer a match. He's just trying to, to injure him before the Royal rumble match. Yes. So that Jericho comes in less than hundred percent, which shows that the heel is somewhat vulnerable and he knows the heel knows that, uh, this match with this guy, Chris Jericho is going to be a tremendous challenge and hard to win. I want to remind everybody this is happening at the Mohegan sun casino who on this roster would have been uh, a big gambler. Do you recall? No, I, I on TV days, it wouldn't have probably been anybody because I don't, most of them didn't want to go out and the, hang around the, 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 the people. Right. I don't know. You know, uh, I'm trying to think back who was a big, uh, a gambler. Well, we know what I should say. We know we've heard gorilla monsoon was a big gambler. Oh yeah. 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 What about all time though? Any, anybody else you recall who really liked, uh, well, gorilla might've been the top of the list. I drove in gorilla one time. We had an issue with some, something technically in Stanford. And so our, our, uh, voiceovers for wrestling challenge was postponed till the next day. And so gorilla convinced me very easily to drive him to the, what's the, what's the other one we talked about at the casino, uh, Foxwoods Foxwoods. Yeah. I'm sorry. And he had, uh, when we pulled up, you'd think it was Tony Soprano pulling up in his big old Cadillac. Of course, his license plate was K Fabe. <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, uh, I, I thought it was, uh, just, uh, he was just, a, he was just, a, he loved it. And so he walked and he, he walked straight to the high rollers room and played blackjack thousands of dollars. I, uh, I told you the story with Heenan monsoon had a great big rubber band and it was, it kept his hundreds. It was like a, you know, big wad yeah. in his, in his pants. He pulled his, pulled his money out to buy breakfast. I think Bob Evans and Heenan says, what the hell you got? This, how much money is he got? How much money? Oh, 10, 15 grand. So what are you going to do with that? Why do you care that much money? Right? So I might want to buy something. And he just says, what a ranch. <laughs> uh, I love traveling with those guys. You cannot believe Conrad how much fun that was for me in my life. How blessed I've been to be around so many cool people that, uh, I'll never forget that, you know, we always love to tell these stories and talk about 
especially those of us that were blessed enough to live them. Man, can you imagine how this would play today? No. Politically correct. It wouldn't happen. No. Remember Daniel, Daniel Bryan getting a can, but choking Justin Roberts with his necktie. Yep. That was just a couple of years after this too. So the sensitivities, uh, heightened. My God, another on camera. You're all over the place. By the way, you've, uh, you're going to bring up here. Lawler is that WWE.com has a list of everyone who's already qualified for the 30 man Royal rumble match. Umaga, Bob Holly, Gene Snitsky, John Morrison, and the Miz. And you say many of them have qualified at WWE live events. So adds a little bit of, uh, importance to some of those house show matches. Nice. Right. Yep. Hey, the old theory of having, uh, uh, you know, a, a title change hands with no TV cameras there still was alive. when I got, first got to WWE in 93, we didn't do it a lot. Uh, and then because the writers didn't like it, it left the, it, it created a theater of the mind. It made you think about what was going on. Then we started doing them sometimes with the, you know, fans video, quote unquote, as technology increased much to my chagrin, where you could take a, you could shoot a match on your phone. Conrad, are you big on shooting videos to your phone? No, I don't do too much of that. I have a feeling you probably do a little more. Well, some historical moments need to be, uh, outlined. Look at this. Hornswoggle didn't do a good job of recruiting here. I don't think. Remember yep. now, Hornswoggle and his partner win this match. They're in the Royal Rumble. What's your favorite BK Jordan match? <laughs> There's so many, Conrad. There's just so many. I never until I saw this today. I had not. I didn't have a clue who this dude was. Of course, we know we're going to do a little bit of a storyline here where they're going to do the old switcheroo and Foley will actually wind up being Hornswoggle's tag partner to take on the Highlanders. The Highlanders had a pretty, uh, interesting run because I think one of these fellows wound up being shown on camera at a TNA pay-per-view and that was all she wrote. Yeah. What do you remember about that circumstance? Well, this, it was at that time with the, with the rules in place as they were, it was, a, it was error in judgment. So now this dude can leave the ring, sign the pay sheet, get his money. And of course, Mrs. Foley's baby boy makes a recovering from COVID symptoms. He's, he's tested positive, you know, and I, I saw where he was, he's been isolated in a motel for 18 days. Now I love Mick. I can only imagine what that hotel room looks like right now. Cause I don't know that Mick was a. Uh, good housekeeping seal of approval kind of guy. Well, what sucks for Mick too is, I mean, he is maybe the guy most synonymous in wrestling with Christmas and he missed Christmas Eve, mm. Christmas day, new year's Eve, new year's day, all those. He, he missed my birthday, Conrad. He missed your birthday. Oh, how will you ever forgive him? Shattered, shattered dreams. You know, Hornswoggle is a, is a, a hell of a little performer. Oh yeah. He really and truly is. And a great guy. You know, we talked at the top of the show about what a great dad Huber was. Mm -hmm. Hornswoggle's a pretty damn good dad too. Yeah. 
He is. He's a good father. And good and he's he he, he values parenting. As everybody should, quite frankly. The nicest things I got for my birthday were two text messages, individual, from my two granddaughters. By far and away. We well, love you. We love you, Grandpa. And that means that goes a long way. I'm probably number three singing you happy birthday, though, right? Yeah, you're the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly you, Conrad, you were my first. <laughs> Seven a.m. Me trying to sing happy birthday. I'm sure that's exactly what you're hoping for. Mick Foley, that running knee. See, all these variants of these strikes that we're seeing in this show have been refined to some degree, if that's a good word, but they're utilized today uh, in, a, in, in a multitude of ways. Mick came in. It must have been a cold night in uh, Mohegan Sun. Mick's, he's dressed for, you know, Mowing the lawn in the wintertime or something, shoveling snow. But he's getting better. Let's back to the COVID thing. We we love Mick. Oh, yeah. And, and he's one of my favorite people of all time. He says some mighty nice things about the, under the black hat. And he would know. He read it. And I think he said he read it in a setting or something. Or one, one or two fell swoops. And he loved it. And I appreciate that. You know, the neat thing about when Mick was writing his first book, he wrote it, he wrote it longhand and in a notebook. So at TV, well, it seemed like once a week at TV, uh, he would let me read what he just, what he had written over the past seven days. It was fascinating. Uh Oh, Mr. Sacco's making an appearance, Conrad. I'm sure you had some experiences with your tube socks when you were a young lad. Rumor is in Jacksonville over the holiday season, you had some that started walking on their own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever get Mr. Socko? I don't recall. Did you ever get Socko'd? Um, I know you got mandible flawed. Yeah, I got the, yeah. I don't know that I ever got Socko'd, but I sure got the mandible clawed deep in my gullet. He gave you the working one, right? Yeah. It's called, he called it the spot show bandable claw. It's where you put your, you don't put your fingers in, you turn them this way. Yeah. Hornswoggle for president. Hornswoggle. So now we know that Hornswoggle and Mick Foley have both qualified for the Royal Rumble. I thought Hornswoggle was going to hump his leg there, but he was well, he did him. hook the leg, which I knew made you happy. Yes, <laughs> of course. The little things, Conrad, the little things in life. No offense to Hornswoggle. Marty Elias, the referee. Marty's still refereeing here, there, and yon. Oh, now somebody should give that guy that sock. This is, uh, <laughs> that's so fun. Throwing the sock and it falls short. Yeah. Double arm DDT there gets the job done. Here comes Swaggle off the top rope. Mini frog splash, hook the leg. That's all she wrote. Finley was another big proponent of of, of uh, the inside the the in ring game of uh, of Hornswoggle. Helped him a lot. I'm glad Finley's back there now. 
Yeah, he was one of those guys who got that dreaded furlough, but he's back and let's track it here for the cage coming down. Super Foley and Hornswoggle McMahon, but boy, what an environment that the number one contender for the WWE title, Jeff Hardy, finds himself in tonight thanks to Raw Roulette. I got a feeling we're about to see a cage match, a steel cage match that we will never, ever forget. Listen, I know a lot of people have been and can be critical about a lot of things WWE does. I get that. But man, you guys hit a freaking home run with that music and the cage and the lighting. Yeah. Just the whole sound effect. It's freaking unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's Kevin Dunn's crew. That was not a, uh, that was not a, a creative a creative team. It's a, that was a TV production team, uh, new months. Jeff Hardy just oozes natural charisma. Yes, he does. And he still does, by the way, for whatever reason. And it doesn't matter what the reason is. Uh, it doesn't matter what we think <laughs> he, people want to like him. His personality resonates to the audience. It's a natural organic connection that a booker or a creative team or anybody else can manufacture. You have it or you don't have it. Umaga too, uh, is going to be his opponent. And, uh, we just did a whole profile on Umaga. Another guy, unfortunately gone way too soon. Yeah, no doubt. We got a lot of good comments and feedback on that show. So if you haven't heard it, you know, it's still available. That's why you should be a, a member and a family member, so to speak of the ad free network. A lot of good content early. Good way to spend the fair. I'm sorry. It's good. I just want to say ad free, the ad free network is a great way to spend time traveling, working, whatever you're doing that you can listen to audio. Uh, it's it, the gym. When your wife's trying to have a conversation with you, that kind of stuff, put your, put your earbuds in and listen to the ad free network. Tell her you're listening to a, uh, a, a religious experience. There he is. Look, man. Yeah, man. He was what an athlete. You know, I, I always thought, of course, this is that stupid ass football in my blood, man. What a nose tackle this kid would have made. Oh, for sure. Good feet. Center of gravity, hard to block. Look at how wide he is. Look at his shoulders. Athletic. He was no Clydesdale. He might have been the size of a Clydesdale, but he was a thoroughbred as far as athleticism was concerned. And I love Jess's uh, look. And of course, Randy Orton's coming out to get another look. Adds a little bit of mystery and intrigue to this presentation because you know that Orton. And, and, uh, Jeff are going to wrestle for the WWE title at the Royal rumble. It's amazing after all these years that, uh, even though we lost Umaga that, you know, Jeff's still uh, active and relevant. Certainly Randy Orton maybe had the best year of his career in 2020, considering all the COVID issues those guys had to deal with. It's pretty remarkable that Randy Orton has just continued. I mean, year after year, after year, after year, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to have one of the more 
legendary careers of all. Yeah, I agree. And he's done it relatively quietly. You know, when people talk about their favorite WrestleMania match or whatever, I don't know that many people quote a Randy Orton match, but if you were to ask those same folks, Hey, tell me your least favorite Randy Orton match. They'd really struggle to come up with one. He's one of the more consistent, natural in-ring performers. And it just was like, he's this constant presence in WWE for nearly 20 years now. He was a, uh, and believe it or not, he was somewhat of a controversial hire for us. You know, Vince was a, the problem child that went to military school and Randy was a problem child that went to the Marines and got dishonorably discharged. That was an issue for Vince. Big time. But you know, it's one of those deals where you say, look, I said, Vince, you got a second chance. So why, why not this kid? He's only a third generation performer and both his father and his grandfather were outstanding in ring guys. So it, he, it, he looks so young and he's, uh, at this point in time, such a, such a, so, so baby faces. You're going to see some big spots here in this match, by the way, they're going to get plenty of time. 15 minutes. Wade gave it four stars and said it was a really strong cage match with a memorable classic finish to a raw main event, perhaps twice as memorable by Ross's call of the match. So as we get towards, match, I'm going to track it here so we can share a little bit of that Jr. magic. Hey, are you going to rehab Bruce Mitchell? Like, uh, Coach Saban has done all his guys he's brought in there, like Sarkeesian and those dudes. Man, I feel so bad about all that stuff. I mean, I I totally disagree with with his decision to write the article and him doubling down, but he's been a friend of mine for a long, long time. And uh, I've I've called to check on him every couple of days and just text him and make sure he's all right because, boy, he just became the biggest villain online (laughs) possible. And, Folks were out to get him and, and, and I understand it, man. It was, it was in poor taste. It was a bad decision. And I, I just, I feel bad for Bruce and I hope he's okay. Yeah. He made a mistake. Oh, for Pl- sure. No plain doubt. and simple. Plain and simple Conrad, but you know, we all do. I think he's going to have to eventually just, uh, you know, quit the charade of trying to double down and, and just own up to it. But I, uh, I just know his heart. I know he's a good dude. And I know that a lot of people who don't know him don't see that, but mm-hmm. been to my house a bunch and knows my daughter on a first name basis. And she knows uncle Bruce and you know, it's just uh, it's, it's unfortunate. I hate that this has happened and I hope that, you know, he can make amends and turn things around. What do you mean? He, uh, just explain, uh, to all of us, the, what you're saying in re- regard to double down. Well, when people would say, oh, you shouldn't have said this, you shouldn't have done that. They were questioning his sort of reasoning and rationale. And and he was approaching things more from a journalistic standpoint of, you know, we need answers and, and in any other sport, he would argue that people would have had that same conversation. But I think anything that interferes in the grieving process, uh, for a widow and a young family, uh, Hey man, who gives a fuck about your journalistic integrity it's pro wrestling it's supposed to make you feel good it's not supposed to make you feel bad and yeah let's forget wrestling for a moment someone lost a dad and a husband and a I don't friend know, I, I, a friend yeah and, and a partner and 
obviously, uh, uh, I think a lot of Brody Lee, he was one of our very first supporters, Bruce and I, is on something to wrestle and, you know, was, was asking for the swag and the merch and, hey, how can I get shirts? I can't wear them on TV. I'll get heat, brother. I mean, just a good dude who really loved wrestling and was always so nice and gracious. And, but I also know, you know, Bruce Mitchell's heart. And it's unfortunate that it all happened the way it did, but he did himself no favors when he just dug his heels in and defended his article. Uh, he should have just apologized, but I'll say this. I don't think Wade Keller, uh, I mean, Wade Keller's supposed to be Bruce's friend of more than 30 years. And he just basically did a public execution. That wasn't very cool. My two cents. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Everybody's looking for the scoop, the story. We'll break this major news story that in the big picture, very few people will even read or react to. Well, you know, listen, you've accidentally in the heat of the moment, tried to be funny and said some things that in hindsight, you wish you had it back, but it's like a baseball. Once it leaves your hands, it's gone mm-hmm. So because people know, love and trust you. They gave you the benefit of the doubt and, and life goes on. And I feel like a lot of people who don't know, love and trust Bruce, they saw this as, you know, a, a totally cancelable offense. And I totally get that. Uh, but in hindsight, I, I, I think we can all agree. Bruce shouldn't have written it. He shouldn't have doubled down, but I also know that I loved Bruce 10 years ago and, and I will 10 years from now. And I hope he's okay. Cause I, I can't imagine what that must be like mentally and emotionally to, uh, have a best friend of 30 years like that to sort of handle it the way it went down. Umaga's handling Jeff Hardy here pretty good too. Yeah. We're talking right. over a really, really great match here. Randy Orton's getting everybody fired up on the outside. And, uh, Umaga is, is, is tossing Jeff Hardy around this ring like a rag doll. Referee Mike Kyoto also on adfreeshows.com is your referee. Yeah. Mike does a good job when he comes in. Uh, Randy said, tossing plenty of furniture into the ring with steel chairs. Uh, Mike does a great job when he comes to, into AEW uh, as a referee from time to time. It's always a welcome sight to see him there. Randy Orton is here to see the destruction of Jeff Hardy. He throws not one, not two, but three chairs into the ring. And Maga's got a hold of it. And here we go. Big back shot. The one thing about this show, and you looking back at it and taking a little bit of an inventory, there's a lot of matches here. There's a near fall. I don't even like to talk over near falls in this, in this format, uh, that, uh, there's a lot of same ass. No disqualification, yeah. no rules, shortcuts, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that if you look back at the theory of why you save things for the main event, this match is a good in, uh, in illustration as to why. Right. Uh, the, uh, Cage matches always remind me of what I don't like about cage matches. It's very simple. You run from the fight to win. Escape the cage. Uh, I'll call bullshit on that one. I really believe that was stipulation was made to appease talents. 
Because I can't do a job, brother. Why? Why can't you? Maybe that's the wrong. Maybe that's the wrong language to use. Maybe it's so derogatory and negative. Look at Jess now fighting back up. Jess back in the hunt. Still selling. Randy's concerned. This was a very good presentation. I mean, you can tell that Jeff Hardy watched a lot of Ricky Morton matches when he was a kid growing up in Cameron, North Kakalaki, because he sells brilliantly. It really is the, uh, the hallmark of a, of an old school performer. These, uh, fantastic sales. We should also mention, I think you have explained perhaps the psychology behind selling better than anybody I've heard. It's like a, a comedian with a joke. You don't just rapid fire jokes. You've got to let the joke register, the crowd respond, the crowd laugh, the crowd react, and then move on to your second joke. Right. I think that's a, a great way to sort of explain the process of, Ooh. and now how about this? The comeback from Jeff Hardy. He's, uh, he's getting in his groove. And you know, there's in this era, the signature spot we're all waiting on, but Jeff Hardy takes his shirt off. The girls are going to go nuts. <laughs> there come those high pitched squeals when it happens. Well, there's nothing like a high pitched squeal. <laughs> I wonder if you have video of some of that. No. <laughs> Now he's going to escape the cage again until boom, the old Freebird shot from the reunion arena on the Von Eriks. Horton slammed the door in his face. And now he's Randy's being admonished by Chad Patton on the outside, which is always uh, stimulating arm over. JR is just a little bit ahead of us. I'm at 130, 22, 23, 24. And by the way, if you're with us on adfreeshows.com, not only you get today's show without any commercial interruption, but you also get a, uh, a timer. So you're right on time, uh, with, uh, with us here, 130, 138, 39. We're getting, we're getting fancy, man. We are. Yeah. I'm a little bit ahead of you, but I got close and I said, screw it. I'm as close as I'm going to get. Hey. Works for me, Bubba. Here, here he is teasing that spike. The Samoan spike. Good finish. Could work on anybody. The mark of a good, all, all, maybe great finish. One that you can utilize on everybody without, you know, he's got his shirt off, Conrad. Here it's Jeff. Here we go. He's trying to escape. And of course, Randy Orton's there to block it. I'm going to track it here so everybody can take a listen here. It's going to be a big moment. Oh, my God. 
Lord. I can't believe what I see here. My God, I cannot believe! We gotta see it. Come on, we got to see that again. A whisper in the wind from the top of the cage. Dude, you're the best that ever did it. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's just a wrestling man having fun. I'm just saying, when he climbed to the top after he hit his finish, and he climbs to the top of the cage, everybody assumes he's going to climb down. He looks down, sees Randy Orton, and decides, nope. I'm going back in huge maneuver and boy, you sold it. Like it was fully falling off the cage. What a spectacular moment in Jeff Hardy's career. And of course the stage is set Royal rumble, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy. Now, isn't that finished Conrad? Isn't it better than Jeff just going down the cage and escaping the cage to win big time? Yeah. It's not even comparable, but it also did as good booking on Vince and his group's part to set up that uh, main event at the Royal rumble. Cause the people was truly sincerely wanted Jeff to become the champion. They had made that all important emotional investment. I really dig this match. I thought it was a good show. It's an interesting show. I'm glad we got to review it together next week. We're going to do something pretty fun. We're going to talk about Royal Rumble 2001. Uh, and then I've got a watch along planned for us on the 21st of January. I'm not going to tell you about just yet, JR, but on the 28th, we'll be back profiling Hardcore Holly. We've got a huge February planned for you as well. A couple of profile pieces and some stuff from 2001, some stuff from 1991. Don't forget, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. But you can also bone up on some barbecue sauce and uh, get that all-purpose seasoning just in time for the big game. Of course, the Super Bowl is right around the corner. And, Jim, people are loving the all-purpose seasoning, are they not? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hit. And uh, every time we come on, I, I generally say, I cooked this the other day and I used the, the all-purpose seasoning. Uh, and it's, it works, man. It works. It works really, really well. I, I made ravioli. Open, you know, I had raviolis from Whole Foods. And I seasoned my ravioli with the uh, uh, bolognese sauce with some JR's seasoning. And it was a hit. I loved it. So it, it works in so many ways. You know, I told you my grandkids like it on popcorn. I put it in eggs. Anything I cook on my stovetop, uh, any proteins, it's got a little JR's seasoning on it. So. You know, I buy, you buy a macaroni salad or potato salad from your store, your Publix or whatever. And I use a little bit of that seasoning in there to, as I would like to say, give it some personality. So it's doing real well. JRsBBQ.com. We still have under the black hat and slobber knocker in stock. I'll be happy to sign one for you and personalize it. So you can still get that at JRsBBQ.com. And we appreciate everybody's support. It's a fun project. It reminds me of my, of my mom and, and Jan. And I think that may be why I have such an emotional investment. People say, oh, you know, you just want to make that money. It's all about the money, JR. You say it's not about the money. No, it's all about the money. Well, it is about the money to some degree, no doubt. But I, I, I love the fact that it's a, it's an honor, honorarium, so to speak to my mother and my late wife. So it's mispersonal. It's like any good wrestling match. 
championships are great. There's so many of them nowadays in pro wrestling that they have been watered down. But when an angle or storyline gets personal that we can all relate to, it's the best thing going. And it's still, it has been, and it will always be that way in my eyes. Find out what everybody already knows. And that's the JR's barbecue sauce. And of course, JR's all purpose seasoning, uh, is going to put smiles on people's faces, including at your household. Uh, those are the top two reordered items. And you need to see what all the fuss is about. Go to jrsbbq.com right now. Don't forget while you're there, you can pick up under the black hat. We talked a little bit about it today that it's one of Foley's favorite books and Foley knows a thing or two about good books. So check that out. <laughs> Don't forget you can get it autographed and personalized. He'll write pretty much whatever you want on the inside. Lots of comments about getting your push and all that. And you can make it happen right now at jrsbbq.com. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back here next week with Royal Rumble 2001 and what a stacked roster it is. I'm so pumped to talk about 2001. We're going to be building towards WrestleMania 17, and it's all happening right here next week on Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Heavy on the mission, folks, and be good to everybody, including yourself. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.